Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Good morning, Vibrant Church. If you're happy to be in the house of God today, can I hear from you? It's awesome. Well, I know uh, Pastor Michael is typically the one that delivers the message, and I'm not him. My name is Sean, and my wife, Theresa, and I, we have the privilege of serving here on the Vibrant team, and uh, we're just so thankful to be here. We're thankful to be a part, and I honor Pastor Michael and Carmen, and can you honor your pastors right now? Can you just give it up for them? We're in this under construction series, and Today I'm speaking about goodness and faithfulness, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Michael's faithfulness to me. Uh, You know, I spoke a a few weeks ago, and during that message, I spoke about emus and crackheads, and uh, he asked me to speak again, so I feel like that's a pretty faithful guy right there. Um, And spoiler alert, there's no emus or crackheads in today's message, Uh, but if you want some of that, you can go into the archives and you can rewatch that message But we are in this under construction series and we're preaching out of Galatians chapter 5. And, you know, we say that this process reveals the promise of God. And Galatians 5 and 22, I just want to jump right into it. It's the the scripture that we've been using as a foundation for this series that says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And so, like I said, today we're going to focus on those two things, on goodness and faithfulness. And Galatians 5 and 25 says that since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so I would like to say that this is not something we produce like we're at a factory and we're on an assembly line and we're, we're working to put all these pieces together and we're going to have these fruits. No, it's more like something that God plants in us. It's seeds of his attributes and characteristics that are in our heart and in our mind and in our actions and in our words and just our life in general. And we plant them in our soil of our hearts and our lives and our minds and they grow up and produce these things. And then when we have these things that are produced, there are people that come into our lives and say, man, what is, what is different about you? What, why, why, is, why are you special or why are you the way that you are? And you say, man, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God and the spirit of God that I'm following and he's leading me. And so it points people to Jesus and it edifies and glorifies him when we follow the spirit's that he has given us and the fruits that he has given us and the tendencies and attributes and characteristics that we're supposed to follow. And so I want to jump in and explore and examine what the Bible says about goodness and what it says 
you know, specifically about God's goodness. And so the first verse that I want to bring to your attention, and I want to say that I have a lot of scripture that I'm going to share today, and some of it will be on the screen and some of it will not. And if there's something that you miss and and you're interested in, hey, I want to know that scripture you shared or or that verse that you mentioned, um, you can see me after service. I'll be more than happy to share my sermon notes with you. Um, But there is going to be a lot of scripture and I want you to take notes. I want you to jot it down as you can. But if you miss anything, like I said, just see me after service. But I want, to, I want to jump into Psalms 119 and 68. And it says that you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And so I want to say from the, from the jump, from the beginning, that God is good and he does good. Look at your neighbor and say, God is good. And he's good all the He's good all the time. So that's where that saying comes from. It comes from Psalms 119 and 68. He is good, and he is good all the time. You know, you may watch a good movie or have a good meal or hear a good joke or have a good time, but not all meals are good. Not all movies are enjoyable. Some jokes are a dud. Sometimes you spend time with people and you can't wait for it to be over. You know, not everything that we do is good. You know, you may do a good job on a project at school or work, or you may do good in your field that you're in, or you may have a sport that you play, and one day you go out and play it and you do good. But there's times where you show up late, or you miss work, or you don't do well. And and so there's moments of goodness in our life, and there's moments that we are good, but God is good, and he is good all the time because it's who he is. And so I want to read several scriptures that talk about his goodness and just really drill down on that. And so we're at Talkback Church. As I'm reading these scriptures, if you get excited, if you identify with them, you can say amen, you can shout, you can even run the aisles. You're not going to bother me, okay? So just don't, don't run up here and, and run me over. That's down there. So uh, y'all ready? <laughs> y'all ready? So Ezra 3 and 11 says his goodness endures forever. Psalms 23 and 6 says, his goodness and mercy follow me. Psalms 31 and 19 says, he stores up goodness for me. Psalms 33 and 5 says, the earth is full of his goodness. Psalms 34 and 8 says, taste and see that he is good. Psalms 84 and 11 says, he doesn't withhold any good thing from me. Psalms 145 says, his goodness and mercy is everlasting. Psalms 145 and 9 says, he is good to all people. Naaman 1 and 7 says, he is good and he is a strong tower in my time of trouble. Mark 10 and said, says, he is good alone. There is no one good but God. James 1 and 7 says every good and perfect gift comes from God. Matthew 7 11 says he is good to us when we ask. And Psalms 107, 8 through 9 says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works. Can we just stand right now before we go any further? Can you lift your hands and can you just thank God for his goodness in your own way? God, I thank you that you're good to us. I thank you that your mercy and goodness follow me every day. I thank you that you don't withhold anything from me, God. I thank you for my wife and my children and my family and my friends. I thank you for my pastor. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everything that you bless me with and I thank you that you're good to me even when when I'm not good, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Can you just clap your hands and thank him that he's good and he's good all the time. 
He is good all the time. So because God is so good and he has called us to follow the Spirit's leading in our life, as Matthew, uh, Galatians 5 and 25 says, every part of our life needs to bring goodness to every other part of our life. We need to bring goodness into our home into our marriage, into our parenting. We need to bring goodness into our school, into our job, into our relationships, into this church when you come here on a Sunday. We even need to bring goodness into our social media. Mm. Sometimes there's not some goodness on social media, amen? And we as Christians, last time I checked, that's to be Christ-like. And so if God is good and he does good, it's calling us to be that way. It's calling us to be good with people we disagree with. It's calling us to be good to people that voted for the different person that we voted for. It's calling us to be good to people that don't look like us, talk like us, act like us, believe like us. It calls us to be good to everyone. Because the Bible has laid out who God is and we are called to be like God. And so if God is good... We've got to follow his leading. We've got to follow his act. We've got to follow his example. And I want to examine one of those verses that I read just a moment ago, and that's Psalms 23, 1 through 6. It's probably one of the most recognizable passages. It's one of the most quoted. People, people know it. And it's, the Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. And I want, I want to start emphasizing here to show what God does, what God is doing, his goodness. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, what you've got to understand about that psalm is David wrote that and he wasn't necessarily experiencing God's goodness. A lot of the times when he was writing these psalms, he was going through hardship. He was being chased. He was, he was not seeing the goodness of God in his life, but yet he could still say things like this because he trusted that even if God's not good to me here on this earth, if I follow him, he'll be good to me in the house of the Lord forever. That's referencing heaven. So sometimes you may not have experienced God's goodness here, but if you trust in him, if you follow him, you can experience God's goodness in heaven one day. Because that's all what it's all about, amen? It's about getting to heaven. It's about following him. It's about leaning into him. So even if I don't experience his goodness here, I can experience it one day in heaven. And so I, I talked about goodness, and I want to now shift into faithfulness. And I would love for you to, to write this down, because the first thing that I want you to understand about faithfulness is you have to decide to be faithful before your faith is tested. I want you to write that down. You have to decide to be faithful 
before your faith is tested. There's a story, and it's some classic literature, and it's from uh, Dr. Seuss, and uh, Horton hatches the egg, and I want to read just a little bit of the excerpt from that story to just, just nail this point of you have to be faithful and you have to decide to be faithful before your faith is tested. There's a, a lazy bird, and she lays an egg in this story of Horton hatches the egg. And uh, she doesn't want to sit on the egg and wait for it to be hatched. She wants to go on vacation, and she wants to lay on the beach and not tend to her responsibilities. And Horton comes along, and he's an elephant, and she says, Hey, I, I, I kind of want to leave. I want to go on vacation. I want to get away from this. Would you, would you sit on my egg? And Horton's kind of confused and doesn't know what to do. And he says, well, I'm an elephant. I might, I might crush it. And I, I, I don't, I've never even sat on an egg. I don't, I don't think elephants do that. And she, well, will you please do it? And he, she convinces Horton to sit on the egg. And Horton makes this statement as he's sitting on the egg. He says, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. And he says it when the rain comes. And he says it when it gets cold. And he says it when it starts snowing. And he, he says it when hunters arrive. And people ask him, are you going to leave the egg? Or are you just going to go? Like, this isn't even your egg. And Horton replies again with, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. And so before I go forward today, I want to ask you this question. Is there an area of your life where you're not faithful 100%? Is there an area of your life, if you were honest, if you got honest with yourself, and I, and I asked you that question, and it was just you and I, and I was trying to coach you or lead you or guide you, would you say, yeah, Pastor Sean, I'm like 90% faithful here, or, or 75 or 50, or, or maybe it's even lower than that. Is there an area where you're not faithful 100%? Because you've got to decide that you're going to be faithful before your faith is tested. So just like with goodness, I want to examine what the Bible says about faithfulness. So we, we can understand where God is coming from and where our actions and our words and our lives are supposed to follow and I love this verse as it relates to faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2 and 13, it says, If we are unfaithful, look at your neighbor and say unfaithful. He remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. Man, there's been so many times when I've walked away from God. I've turned my back on God. I have not been 100% faithful, and he has still been faithful to me. Anybody experienced that in this place today? God's faithfulness. Psalms 105 says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. He was faithful to your grandparents and your parents, and he'll be faithful to you and your kids if you have them and, and their kids and so on and so forth. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 through 9 says, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Malachi 3 and 6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Yeah. Psalms 31 and 23 says, 
Love the Lord, your God, you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. Man, God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faith. He cannot deny who he is, and he's faithful, just like he is good, and he is good all the time. There's three things that I believe faithfulness does in studying and preparing for this message. There's, there's three things that I believe faithfulness does, and I want you to write these down as I go through them. The first thing is I believe faithfulness promotes. Faithfulness promotes. Genesis 37, 18 through 20 and 28 is the story of Joseph. And if you're not familiar with that story, Joseph had this dream. He had this vision and he started sharing it with his, his brothers and his family. And they hated him because of it. They were jealous because of it. And um, this interaction unfolds here in Genesis chapter 37. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or pits or wells. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers decided to pull him out of the pit and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Now, you read that, and, and, and my first point is faithfulness promotes, and you say, that doesn't sound like very much of a promotion, Pastor Sean. Like, normally that's like a raise or a new position or a better title. Like, that doesn't sound very much like a promotion. You see, I like to do this, and I, it could be sort of a slippery slope, but I, I think if you do it the right way, I think God's okay with it. I, I, I like to think of what wasn't written in the Bible. Like, there's verses between 20 and 28 where he's in the pit, and then they pull him out of the pit. And um, I have an older brother, and I didn't even have to share him a dream or a vision or anything good. Like, he just hated me because I existed for a short period of time. And he probably would have thrown me in a pit. I maybe was thrown in a pit as a child, and I just suppressed it in my PTSD because of that situation. But I know my conversation that would happen if I was thrown in a pit in between verses 20 and 28. I'd have been like, uh, hey, 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 guys, remember, remember that dream stuff, you know, the vision stuff, that, that, that stuff that I talked to you about? Um, I'll, I'll shut up about that if you just, like, throw me a rope, throw me a, throw me a ladder. Like, you could even start shoveling in this pit, and I'll kind of stand on the dirt and get out. We'll, we don't have to have this conversation anymore, but not Joseph. Joseph decided, I'm going to be faithful 100% to this dream and this vision that God gave me, no matter what, even if it ends in death. And so what Joseph may have thought was punishment was actually promotion because God made a way for him to get out of that and to be sold into slavery. And I know that on its, the surface is like, what? Yeah, that's not a promotion. Well, he went from slavery into Potiphar's house. And then he went from Potiphar's house into jail. And then he went from jail into one of the most powerful people in the world at that time. You see, he was faithful to what God gave him. And even though it looked like punishment, every single turn, it was promotion. What you think God is punishing you with, if you'll be faithful to it, it might turn out into promotion. You see, 
it, there's scholars that believe it took anywhere from 14, 15, 16 years to when God gave Joseph that vision to when he was actually made the governor of Egypt. And so another question I want to ask you is, how long will you be faithful? How long does your faithfulness last? Does it last a year of something bad going on? Does it last two? Does it last three? Where does your faithfulness end? Where does it stop? Where does it begin? Because you can't just decide to be faithful before you're tested. you got to decide, like, how long am I going to be faithful to this? How long am I going to be faithful to this? Secondly, faithfulness protects. Faithfulness protects. Daniel chapter 3, we see these Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And I love this sentence in this verse right here. But even if he doesn't. Do you have an even if he doesn't kind of faithfulness? Even if he doesn't answer that prayer? Even if that thing doesn't work out? Even if it doesn't get better, do you have that kind of faithfulness that you would say to somebody, hey, even if God doesn't come for me, he's still God. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to be faithful. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. You know, some of us, We've turned away from our God, and we're worshiping these little G-gods. And sometimes we're more faithful to that stuff than we are to God. Because we think, well, this is going to fix it. This is going to take care of it. I want to let you know there's nothing on the face of this earth that can protect you like God Almighty. And when you're faithful to him, he will protect you. Later on in, in Daniel, man, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, Daniel 6, 11 through 12. It says, then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for that the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands and it's official law that cannot be revoked. You see, Daniel was a God-fearing man, and he was in Babylon. That's the setting of Daniel. And they did not worship God. You were supposed to worship the king. You were supposed to worship these statues and these idols. And Daniel said, no, I'm going to continue to pray. And they, they trapped him. It was entrapment. They set up this law. They knew he was going to do it. And then they went and found him doing it and said, oh, we got you. Now you got to be punished. And that punishment was to be thrown in the lion's den. But would you know that the next day after Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, they, they went down there to check on him, and he's just chilling. He didn't have a scratch. He didn't have a bite mark. He's just down there with Scar and, you know, Simba and Mufasa and all of them singing Akuna Matata. Because God's faithfulness and God's faithfulness to him protects you no matter the situation to where when you're faithful to him, you're not bitten, you're not scarred, you're not burned, you don't smell like fire. There's nothing going on with you because you're faithful to him and he protects you in it and through it. God is there. The third thing that I, I believe faithfulness does is it predicts. 
So it promotes, it protects, and lastly, I think it predicts. Luke 16, 10 through 12 says this, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your things of your own? I want to challenge you because God has called us to faithfulness. It's not just faithfulness to him. It's not just faithfulness to our relationships, but it's faithfulness to others. It's faithfulness to others' things. It's, it's faithfulness to your employer. It's faithfulness to people that you deal with and do business with and, and saying that you're going to do something and following through and doing that. Our faithfulness needs to extend not just to our relationship with God and our relationship with others. It needs to extend to other people's things and their care and what they have. We need to be faithful with it. And I know that, you know, that, that's hard sometimes because the easy way out is to not do that. It, it's much easier, but I promise you, when you're faithful, God will protect you. God will promote you. And it will predict things in your life. Because God says, if you can be faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. And maybe you're here today and you say, oh, man, I, I've just struggled with faith. And I've struggled with being faithful. And I've struggled with that because I, 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 don't, I haven't experienced God's goodness. Like the, the way those scriptures are talking about, Pastor Sean. And I, I want to share with you that I know without a doubt, the one thing that's helped me be faithful. Because I, I, like Pastor Michael, do not float around on a, a cloud. And I'm not in prayer six hours a day. And life is hectic and frustrating and stressful. And I get depressed and I get weary. And I get, I get to points where I don't want to be faithful. I want to give up. But there's things that, that cause me to continue to be faithful. And that one thing that one simple truth is that I understand that God is with me. God is with me. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. Isaiah 7 and 14, you know, this is a passage that's really not mentioned much outside of the Christmas season. Uh, and I want to break that trend today. And Isaiah 7 and 14 says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to let you know today that God is with you. God is with you in the mountaintop, and God is with you in the valley low. God's with you when you get hired, and God's with you when you get fired. God's with you when you're well, and God's with you when you're sick. God's with you when everything works out, and God's with you when it seems like nothing works out. God's with you when you're frustrated, and when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're mad. God is with you. I want you to understand today, church, that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And if I understand that he's with me, I don't have to understand what's going on in my life. You know, growing up, 
when we would try to go somewhere or plan something, you know, the question would always come up, who's going to be there? You know, you know, you have that friend where you're trying to plan something and they say, well, who's coming? Who's going to be there? Well, I'd like to say to you, wherever you're going, God's going to be there. And it doesn't matter where he takes me. It doesn't matter where I end up. It doesn't matter the situation. I know I can make it because he's with me. He is Emmanuel, not just at Christmas time, but 365 days out of the year, 24-7. God is with me. God is with me. I want to invite you to stand today. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Sean, that sounds great. Like I can see that faithfulness promotes. I can see that it protects. I can see that it predicts. I I can correlate those stories and those scriptures to what you're trying to say. But I haven't been faithful in certain areas of my life. I haven't been faithful 100%. Man, I haven't even been faithful 1% in certain things. I've failed and I've messed up so many times and I've I've fallen down. I want to say that's okay. Because I think that spirituality and and this Christian life, it's a lot like boxing. And you know, boxing is not as popular now as it used to be. The the UFC and MMA and all that has kind of taken over and, and swept over that scene. But everybody knows about knockouts in boxing. You know, somebody gets knocked out and they can't get back up and it's, it's undisputed, but not a lot of people know about TKOs in boxing. And a TKO is reserved for the referee to determine whether the fighter can keep going. Maybe they're injured in a, in a way that's not, uh, you know, it's not with, with, with punches. They, they injure themselves in another way. And, and the referee deems that they don't need to continue with the fight because they will get hurt or they will get knocked out. And, and that happens sometimes. But generally, a TKO is to, it's reserved for when a fighter has been knocked down but he's not knocked out. And the referee will start counting. One, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. And he has 10 seconds that that fighter can try to gather himself and get back up. I wanna say to you that maybe there's an area of your life where you have been knocked down, man. And life, the enemy, problems, Situations are counting. One, two, three, four. I want to say, get back up again today. Get back in the fight. Don't just lay on the floor mat of life and feel defeated and say, man, I've messed up again. I've screwed this up again. I've failed again. I've been unfaithful. But no, don't let that, don't let that count get to 10. Get back up again. Be faithful to what God has called you to be faithful to. Be faithful what God has placed in your life. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward and I want to share a scripture with you that I think goes hand in hand with that. Proverbs 24 and 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. I want to say to you that maybe you failed. You failed miserably in some area of your life 
and you are laying on the floor mat of life and they have counted you out, but it's not to 10 yet. I want to say get back up again because God is with you. He is Emmanuel and you can make it, you can take it, and you can be faithful. As they begin to sing in just a moment, maybe you're here today and that's you. Like life has just thrown a mean hook or an uppercut or a jab and it's hit you right square in the face and it's knocked you down in some area. I don't care what it is. As they begin to sing, I wanna invite you to come up to someone on our prayer team and I want you to pray with them that you would have the strength to be faithful, that you would experience God's goodness in a new and a fresh way. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Sean, I've never really even given my life over to God, but I wanna experience his goodness and I wanna experience his faithfulness. As I step out of the way and they begin to sing, I wanna invite you to come forward. Maybe you just wanna come forward to this altar. You don't even wanna pray with anybody, but you just wanna declare, God, I wanna experience your goodness again. I wanna be faithful again. I wanna commit to be faithful for the first time. If that's you today, as they begin to sing, I wanna invite you to come to this altar. It's open. Our prayer team is here for you and they want to encourage you.